0: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the recap of one of, if not the best, maybe Grand Tour stages of the year. There was certainly a lot of tension of Vuelta a España. Stage 17, the first mountain stage of this third week, 186 Ks. We have two Cat Ones Well, the same climb, actually, La Collada Yomena, 7.6 Ks at 9.1%. Then a long valley of like 40 kilometers before the Cavadonga, 12.5 Ks at 7%. Not actually that steep. It's got steeper sections in it, but there's a descent pretty much for the last oh, kilometer and a half. So yeah, it's not 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 as hard as Gemonotero tomorrow. Wet, rainy conditions today. Not that cold though. They still were all in summer kit, and uh, we had Jay Vine looking better for the break, Benji, but also some satellites. So we always mentioning our satellites, Tratnik and Dylan Van Baal.
1: Yeah, it started off very early when smaller groups started forming, including Trotnik being in one of them. And eventually we saw such chaos because so many teams were trying to get people in the breakaway, the typical stuff you always have. Indeed, Van Bala being in one as well, one of the moves. And Jumbo perhaps starting to worry a tiny bit from that. But eventually we saw that Caruso was still fighting for KOM points at the first KOM, which is a bit surprising considering... I don't believe at any point he can still win that unless he focuses on it completely and when Hague so far up in G C I'm I'm severely doubting that. But uh it's yeah. not a worthy goal. He yeah, came second
0: isn't. in G C at the Giro, they got a guy fourth on G C if you don't count Ike Martin. What, what what's he doing?
1: I don't know, like I think he uh I think he has his own demands in the team and after getting second in Giro perhaps he deserves it, but uh, it's it's just not really good for the team right now and perhaps later on in the stage he might have needed that energy anyway, Mark Padun being in one of the attacks as well just groups everywhere trying to get away trying to get away and then one of them actually uh got a solid gap and that was a significant group including von Barle but uh yeah Jumbo wasn't too happy with that and that already started on the uh, first of those cat one climbs where we saw also next to a uh, yumbo pacing a move by Mikha Landa. Of all
0: people, oh my god! It's like David de la Cruz had bridged across to Trentin about ten minutes earlier when the gap was thirty seconds. Lana's like, no, no, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to wait for that gap to be a minute ten, then bridge across, <laughs> then be completely <laughs> over my limit. Just like, what's he doing? Uh, it's just I don't know. Uh, at least he tried something, got on TV for a little bit, but it seemed like a waste of time uh, to me. So. Yeah, it's interesting. Bahrain having Caruso try, Padun try, Tratnik in the break. Lander's now done something. All riders that can be helpful on this stage later. Um, And also Ineos making, doing their best, Benji, to pace hard with Sivakov on the first Category 1 climb. And that really shredded the breakaway. The problem was Sivakov. It was fast and that group went down to 20-25. The problem was Sivakov also had to lead the descent because Ineos had no one else there at that moment. and everyone came back. Eichen got dropped on that climb and then everyone came back because Sivikov's not great uh, descending. So it didn't look like break, did it, Benji? It just looked like Ineos and Yumbo had a little bit too much ambition today. So what happened on the second last climb where even Pidcock did his best to uh, light this race up?
1: Yeah, Vombala was caught by that group behind, which means that he can help out for Ineos in the elite group. And in that elite group, Ineos seemed to have a plan because their riders were moving to the front. Bitcock was working a bit and also Vombala, a lot. He was simply riding basically half the climb at a solid tempo because at the back of the group, you saw half the group dropping, if not more. And the likes of Viking dropping for the second time today. He came back after the first time they went on the Cat 1 climb. Now he was uh, dro- dropping completely, it seemed, because, uh, yeah, that tempo was pretty high. And what were they uh, pacing for? Well, there was all of a sudden an attack by a certain someone that decided to go with 61.5 kilometers to go. Egon Bernal, were you expecting it?
0: Well, yeah, because he said actually in the press, I want to attack Roglic if I have the legs. Uh, I'm not sure if he gave it an English-language press, but, yeah, he said that, and I was like, well... Uh, he doesn't. The guy I don't doesn't really lie about his strategy usually, and it, it makes sense, Benji, because Haig, Lopez, Mars, Roglic, what are they all definitely worse than Bernal at? A wet descent, to full get full gas, and we have this descent afterwards. It's wet. If he gets on his own, then he can create a situation which is perfect for him, which is you know Roglic having to pace a descent harder than he likes, or if Roglic is with him, then Bahrain victorious so who we'll have to pace the descent who aren't those guys haven't looked great on the descents either. And it was weird, Benji, in that Koos tried to follow Bernal. With, a Roglic follows Bernal straight away. Bernal's fifth on GC, but it's so far on the finish. Roglic's having none of it. Maybe he's not – maybe just reacts to it, whatever. You know, reacts. Koos then goes to market. And Miguel Angel Lopez, was he caught in the group or why did no more style rider react, Benji? seemed like it was,
1: he was teeping a bit when it was happening, and Bernal goes off the front like we said, Roglic is the one that is on the wheel of Bernal doing in the attack, and Mas is not reacting, Lopez is not reacting instantly, and then eventually, after a bit, Lopez comes to the front and actually makes a move, tries to uh, get a bit of a gap on that group, but if the gap is already like 20 seconds at that point, then you're basically, yeah, you've kind of fucked yourself, haven't you? Because have to try and chase them down who are riding a severely high tempo this climb was done at 6.4 watts per kilogram estimated so uh we don't know if the numbers are 100 correct but those are the ones estimated by amati piorelli again on on twitter so uh yeah they were climbing fast and i think that lopez made the mistake of not being in the wheel of those attacks instantly and them not having a rider respond instantly movistar is obviously a mistake because now they're in the chasing group with one rider Moss. lopez eventually being caught again so two riders in that chasing group and what can they do they either have to offer up a position in gc for Moss or lopez obviously lopez would be the candidate to do so or they have to try and uh, bet it completely on all the other teams present in that group
0: yeah, and also Movistar have been somewhat surprisingly letting Verona go into breaks when he's their only like versatile domestique right now with Noval Verde and with Oliver and Urviti not being good enough, you know, that they, they can't get over these climbs here. So yeah, they've got no domestique. Before we get there's a we've got a big tactical discussion. I'm not sure if we disagree either, but before we get into that, I'll mention our show partner, Locole, who produced performance cycling apparel. Some of the riders might have needed their rain jackets in the wet today. Locole have an awesome sale on at the moment and you can get even steeper discounts using the LR welter two zero. It's LR of Vuelta twenty discount code all caps, which can get you twenty percent off already discounted items. LeCol have been supporting the podcast since its inception last year, nearly a year to the date, their partnership, Lacole with Lantern and Recycling Podcast. Thanks for them supporting the show. You can see them in the description below. But race situation, Roglic and Bernal on the descent. Bernal mainly working on the technical sections. They eventually start pulling in when it's pedaling later and Roglic was being fairly cautious Benji he was he wasn't right on Bernard's wheel he was laying off a bit Bahrain pacing behind on the descent they got Poles they miss a turn and Benji and they just kind of get gun shy, right and then they stop pacing or who even took over was it like Zvihov or someone
1: well for the initial part of the descent they kept on going after that turn and they kept on going for a bit but you know that when Poles is going into the sender, he's just missed a turn that the tempo was not going to go that well. And then the second rider, who was also in that Bahrain train, also missed a turn in that descent. So then at a certain point, Haig was at the front of the tree because of that those mistakes, which is not ideal. So they tried to fix that. But indeed, in the end, Ben Zvihoff, who surprisingly survived with this lead group on the climb itself, went to the front and started hammering it when the uh, road started to uh, become a bit more flatter towards the end and. We know he's not the best flat rider. We've joked about it a few times this season, and uh, that became very clear because he was losing time left and right. The gap was going up. It was a minute, roughly halfway to descend, and Bernal just kept expanding that. One minute 20, one minute 30. Roglic as well, kicking in as well to work with Bernal at that point. Do you think that was a mistake?
0: From who? Roglic? Not really, because the descent... (laughs) Listen... If Roglic crashes on the descent, following the guy who's fifth on GC, who if you count in the TT time he's going to gain, he's like five minutes ahead of him on GC. If Roglic crashes whilst Bernal is risking everything on the descent, everyone's going to call Roglic an idiot again, right? Everyone. But he didn't. That was the risk. But today there's a much, much bigger payoff than compared to the other day. Once you get into that valley, once you maybe hear on the radio, the team behind is consists of Remy has chasing you and... <laughs> And what Poles who's sitting like upright like a sail, and if you just work with Bernal and Bernal's giving you full turns now, your reward okay, you've already done the descent at this point, so yeah, work with Bernal. And I presume, hey, if Rogers was on the limit, not feeling good, there's no way he works, um, with Bernal either. So yeah, there is a risk sitting, you know, doing those turns and compared to say Hey or Lopez or Mas behind who are sitting in, but. They're building out a big buffer, and at that point, Benji, the gap is over a minute because they Bernal's gained so much on the descent. So seemed like perfectly fine to me for a guy who was feeling good. I didn't have a problem with that. The, my big problem with the, the risk was the descent. That was fine, so it is what it is. Do you have any differing thoughts?
1: I've got the same feeling. The difference with that other stage is that on this one, you indeed have a clear payoff. The situation, knowing that the group was relatively small already that when Bernal attacked, good have such a high reward to the point where if it really succeeds he might be uh, relatively secure when it comes to the velta if it doesn't succeed, uh, well if it doesn't work then he just drops back to the group he can recover in the valley as well yeah i don't know i feel like this is a uh, much more waffy to make the move like you say i've got the same feeling about it when it comes to Bernal, obviously uh we can't complain about a guy sitting on on how much 3 minutes in gc on roglic attacking from this far, it's it's pretty obvious that he needs to do something crazy to try and move up in GC, and that's what he tried today. So you can only you can only be happy about something like that because uh, I love people who are sitting on 6th and 7th and don't give a crap about 6th and 7th and try to go for 1st. And that's what Bernal did here.
0: It was, yeah, heroic move. Once he does get into the valley with, with Rolich on his wheel, now he's running for podium, obviously, because you know he's with Roglic. But that's fine too. He's shooting his shot to gain a big chunk of time on Movistar, who were not pacing at all behind. And I feel like, Benji, we went back to 2019 Movistar a little bit today. We had no guys willing to sacrifice for the other. We had complete acceptance of podium, which... Maybe that's realistic. Rolich is a minute 30 up the road. He's got the TT coming up, but he was only 20 seconds ahead of Mas before this stage. They completely went into protect podium mode, both of those guys. And at one point, we had Bernal virtually in second on GC, and they're just leaning on Bahrain to pace. I saw Felix Groschardt and Abora shouting at Miguel Angel Lopez. What can you do, Benji? Because if you... Movistar are basically calling your bluff if you're Bahrain because they just won't pace. And then what? Then Bernard Leapfrogs hague on GC. And, because, or do you think they've got more to lose they would have paced with Lopez because they are second and third on GC and they're having the guy fourth on GC pacing.
1: Yeah, it's... I think they looked at the situation in the group and went off of that. You've got Roglic sitting ahead. So obviously the first place is already gone there. You've got... Hague in your group with teammates and you don't have teammates because your two riders there are not considered teammates of each other they're considered leaders and I think they looked at that and said well we're gonna risk it and we're gonna we're gonna see if Bahrain uh, tries to uh, tries to pace the entire valley section and if that's the case then perhaps we have more energy to take time back on the climb because while it's going up from like a minute to two minutes, on the flat section, that gap can go down quickly if something happens at the front, if Bernal explodes or Roglic explodes on the latter climb because they spend a lot of energy in the valley. Well, on paper, Lopez and Mars don't do that effort because a a Bahrain rider is doing that effort. And eventually it was Pools doing a lot of the work initially. But then Caruso came back from behind with a, a small group of riders and Caruso really hit the front hard. And that gap went down from two minutes sixteen to one forty in about roughly ten kilometers. So we were with a gap of one minute forty, roughly going into the final climb. A bit lower, actually. I think one minute thirty, one minute twenty-five, yeah, one twenty-five. And it was uh, mainly thanks to Caruso and Remy Rochat doing the work for. uh, your boy Guillaume Martin so (laughs) it's like it's so interesting to see because you would think oh Martin why is he doing this but then you look at GC and you're like okay yeah he's he's up there in GC so I understand daddy he's having to do uh this work as well but on the other end if Pasha does not pace here and the tempo is lower in the group is that not better for Martin on the final climb because he's not going to beat Roglic in GC
0: anyway I don't really know why Covetus is pacing
1: Benji
0: because Bernal and Roger are ahead of him on GC. I don't know. Same with Grosschart and they had an unfortunate crash as well. I think Bahrain they came off the front for a bit, right in the valley, and didn't pace. I think that was the point where they were trying to call Movistar's bluff. The yep. gap goes to two sixteen, and still Lopez doesn't pace. And they're like, what the fuck? Like, If they're not going to pace now with Bernal's second GC virtually, then that, there's no bluff to call. And then, yeah, Caruso comes back and they pace. And by the time they get to the climb, very simple strategy for Bahrain victorious. Pace steady for Haig, who probably didn't feel as good as Marcel Lopez either. And we see up the road, Benji. We'd even seen it on some of the rises. Bernal getting gapped off the wheel. Roglic pulling like an absolute truck. Roglič just straight up rides away from Egan Bernal on Cavadonga and doesn't even look back wasn't even in an attack and at that point with all the work he'd done I was worried like how likely do you think did you think this group is going to catch Bernal and this will all be for nothing
1: uh, Bernal I was thinking very likely I think Roglič was basically impossible at that point because if he can drop Bernal and look so good at that point knowing that the Cavadonga climb is so odd at the end where it goes up and down and up and down towards the finish line in the last four kilometers, meaning that you have to go early to create a gap and keep the gap. Well, it was a good move to perhaps pedal even harder at that point to uh, to drop Bernal, even though I don't really think he had to do that to get Bernal off the wheel. But uh, yeah, I think that Bernal would be caught because once we saw Bernal suffer in the wheel of Roglic already, I was already getting worried because We've seen Bernal crack quite a few times where when he drops from the front, he cracks completely for a bit. And we've had that on Sigadiala in the Giro, but also... Oh Pratiditivo. He
0: went 30 seconds just straight off the back.
1: And uh, while Roglic was obviously going to take time on him continuously towards the finish line, but at that point, I think Bernal was just trying to survive on the group behind where attacks started happening. But... Who was the first one to attack? Was it Lopez who made the first move or Yates? Uh,
0: Movistar rode like complete yellow-bellied cowards today. It was like to sit in in that whole valley, not do anything. And listen, maybe Bahrain should have they had four riders. Maybe they should have tried to attack Movistar who were isolated. But Jumbo-Visma had four riders on the flat too and they would have shut it down. But for Movistar to sit in all day to have the guy Bernal's cracking. Roglic is gone. First is gone. Lopez attacks. You know who he's attacking, Benji? Mas. That's the guy he's attacking and gaining time against. Mas, yes, he gets to sit in, but he's not bringing back Roglic. Why else is he attacking? Why else wouldn't Lopez and Mas go to the front and limit the gap to Roglic and prevent attacks from Hagenco? What's the explanation other than Lopez is going for second over Mas?
1: I kind of agree. Now, probably he's not going to say it like that or probably Movistar isn't going to see it like that. I think that they were perhaps keeping in mind that they wanted to try and take time on Haig there or something, or they wanted to make sure they have more time on Yates to have their podium more secure by making Lopez do the move and have Maz as the defensive rider like they did the entire Velta so far. But the problem is, like you say, the rider that they are supposed to be attacking is a minute and a half ahead. So that's not very uh, great if you want to try and attack that person. So yeah, it was a bit of a questionable thing, but yeah, in the end, it seemed like Haig was starting to get into trouble with Mater. And honestly, when we were talking about Bahrain pacing in the valley, what would have happened if Gino Mater went for the attack in the valley and Bahrain just stopped pacing?
0: Would well, Jumbo have... care
1: about Gino Mater?
0: How far behind is he on GC? He's pretty far. He's 6 minutes 50. So no, they would not care about <laughs> Mater. He's at 7.50. So Maybe be for
1: done. Kus?
0: Ah, for GC Kus, they would have shut it down.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah.
0: Like they actually would have, but yeah. Sorry, long story short, Roglic drops Bernal, he outpaces on Kabadonga the Bahrain trains and the Movistar attacks. He wins this stage. We've glossed over him a little bit, but this is an iconic victory for Roglic following a move he didn't have to. The no risk, no glory t shirts will be selling like hotcakes because they actually apply <laughs> today because the stage win was on offer, which is you know an actual glorious thing and he wins this stage incredibly like dropping Bernal shouts across the line puts the welter pretty much I dare say to bed but the gap is smaller than I actually thought it was <laughs> to Enric Maas uh, and yeah basically bludgeons Movistar into submission into protecting their second and third on GC which they barely even did today Poor Bernal gets caught by the Bahrain group who they actually rode like they basically Juno you know, made an outstanding job from him today Master, oh Lopez attacks, goes with Yates and Koos, who sit on him, he stops. Mars attack and Hague gets brought back by Mater. Mars then attacks and then he gave his he did his Catalunya. Remember that Catalunya mm-hmm. attack, Benji, that Mars did when Port was pacing? And he did he did the same face. <laughs> he did the same face today. Yeah. And I was like, that ain't that ain't the mass face you want to see when he attacked with 4Ks to go. He got brought back quick smart and then Hague and Mater at the front again. That group catches Bernal, and I felt so bad for him to not gain any time. He put it all on the line, and yeah, they roll in pretty much together with uh, GC Koos taking second on the stage for the Umber Visma 1-2 and Lopez the 4 in second. So it's Roglic first, 135 ahead of Koos, then Lopez, Yates, tag Mars, Bernal, it, all on the same time, which I'll let Benji talk about Cavadonga and why he might not like it too much in a second. manki's on his own ninth on two twenty-nine. Shampus 10th. Groschartner loses more. Guillaume Martin loses like 3 minutes 12 to the main GC group, and Niking blows up completely. Uh, so GC, revised GC, Roglic 2.22 ahead of Mas, which like it's a big gap with the TT, not going to lie, but still <laughs> it's not like 10 minutes. Lopez third on 3.11. He gains four on Haig, who's moves into fourth on 3.46, 35 seconds behind. Guillaume Martin drops down to fifth. Bernal on 4.29 in sixth and then yates in seventh on four forty-five. coos eighth, five 504 and Groschartner Gino eugino in 10th on 658 but yeah what did you what do you think of this stage benji um do you enjoy it iconic or it fizzled out in the end because Bernal got no just desserts i feel like i
1: uh, i really enjoyed today's stage it's one of the greater stages of this grand tour certainly and when it comes to, like, comparing it to to the France or Giro stages, I'm not sure if I would call it, like, one of the top stages, but it's certainly one that kept me watching for quite a bit. And that's, uh, that's very intriguing. Now, I don't like the Lagos de Covadonga climb for one reason only. Usually the gaps are very minimal in the GC group. And the only way that a gap would be huge on a stage like this is with a move like the one from Bernal. So if Bernal didn't do the attack today, we might have had a very different race where... Everything happened on the final climb. Some attacks at the start of Covadonga. One of them would stick. The second rider would be in the elite group and we'd have gaps of 10 seconds between the uh, riders just like in the, uh, the one in 2018, I think, where Lopez got second just behind Pino. Same thing. 10 seconds between all the elite riders on that climb. So that's why I don't like this climb personally. But in the end, very good stage. Now, question. For me, Terpstra in... 2017, or what was it? The year he won RVV 2018. Sorry. <laughs> Vincenzo Niboli made an attacking move with 40 ish kilometers to go, or a bit more than 40 kilometers, which eventually Terrestra bridged to. And he launched off the bag of Niboli. That victory is obviously thanks to Niboli. <laughs> if you look at today, did Bernal just decide the Velta?
0: Yeah, pretty much. But Robich has to decide to go with him, and yeah. he certainly gave certainly. Robich the you know the solo win over a minute ahead. This has got to be one of the most dominant wins because he didn't win in the bass stage six either. One of his yeah. best wins ever in terms of G- running for GC at the same time. So, yes, because Yumbo Visma, weren't their plan wasn't to attack second last climb. Certainly. I I actually do think they would have he would have launched it on the last climb. Yeah, um, and he has to do it early because the latter part of the climb is quite short. Yeah, so. so I don't know. Did it help? Yes. I guess what really, what Rogers didn't have to do, which made it a bit more iconic, was work so much with Bernal. And he did yep. that when he didn't have to. It would have also helped Bernal. But yeah, just, you know, Bernal almost went over his limit. Anyone from today that you think, I'm, I refuse to criticize Bernal, by the way. You know, he got caught, didn't gain any time might have gained time otherwise, but I refuse to criticize it because he put it all on the line to actually either try and win or get on the podium. But any yep. other teams you think will be like, what were we doing today?
1: Hmm. I think obviously Movistar and Bahrain, we've spoken about them enough. Who else is really in the picture for that top 10? I think Yambo can, can definitely be happy about their performance being uh, a solid one to win the stage with Kass coming second there. But uh, hmm. I am curious wouldn't y'all be happy I think they ha huh, they didn't gain anything from today despite all the stuff they put in so that's why they won't be happy but at least Bernal showed that what he says on a rest day is definitely something to be listened to Bora zwihoff pacing for Groschartner's gC was that a good idea I, I don't guess know it
0: doesn't make a difference to him really like
1: I think it makes one difference that it puts a bit of pressure on Guillaume martin but does it really, if you do it on the Valley section?
0: No. Is it
1: really getting the same draft that, that Groschartner is getting. Then again, Groschartner got the crash as well that Martin didn't get. But uh, our, uh, our discussion yesterday, would Iking lose the red jersey? Well, I think you are right, sir. What did I say? I, uh, You said that he was going to lose the jersey, and I I thought he was going to survive today.
0: (laughs) Mate, I'm literally a goldfish. I have no recollection of what I've said more than like 20 20 seconds ago. You You said Roglic
1: would lose 10 minutes today.
0: I stand behind that. Uh, tomorrow's stage, 163 k's <laughs> from Salas to Alto del Gamoneteru. We have maybe the hardest mountain finish in a Grand Tour this year. We have a Cat one forty four 44 k's in Puerto de San. R- Jeez, this is hard. This is hard to pronounce. Then the Alto de la Cobertoria, 8Ks, 8.7% after that. Valleys, again, it's quite similar to today's stage. Then an 8.3K, 5.7% climb, descent into 14.5Ks at 10%, which is pretty disgusting actually they have it's actually quite regular there's no I, i'm sure there's pinches in it uh but there's most of the k's are like 11 and a half 11 i don't see there's nothing like 13 14 16 like there's sections
1: it. where it goes to 16 percent at certain points okay. but it's it's not like it's a full kilometer it's not like Sigariala with yeah 17 kilometer but <laughs> it's certainly one of the most uh, consistent high gradient climbs of it and there's also some parts to it we've got The Cobertoria in that stage, that's actually the first half of that climb. So basically they go to the top of Cobertoria and they switch on to the Gamoniteru extension of the Cobertoria climb to uh, have the finish on Gamoniteru. And if you want to know an extra fact, we've got the Angliru being like five kilometers away from the top of this climb as well. So Angliru is definitely not far away from this and it's basically the evil sister of the Angliru, which it is called. And looking at last year, we had Anglia to win uh, in the Velta and it had the same climb just before it. Cordal, that's the one where Froome attacked. I'm afraid that we won't see a, a Froome attack on this one, I'm afraid.
0: Do we see Adam Yates on that first climb doing the Froome, though, <laughs> Benji? Do we see it? I mean, if he couldn't get distance on that group today, did he even try and attack?
1: Uh, he attacked uh,
0: once, I think. Okay, didn't yeah. go anywhere, did it? Did you know that Vlasov is still in this race Benji he finished thirty five minutes down today i do you know any do you have any word on him like what's going on like we saw his crash at the
1: descent of the uh second last climb today and it looked like he was touching his collarbone
0: right I'm surprised Jesus. that he's still in the race, yeah, I mean there's not much to play for i if I was, if I'm Bora Hansgrohe, <laughs> I'd say Astana. Can you please let him leave the ring? Give me a refund. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. Jesus! Sounds like something I would say. Um, t- <laughs> tomorrow's stage, we just had a big action today. Breakaway. It's always hard for a break to hang on in like a valley like that, as well as such a hard finishing climb. Like the GC guys can just take back time so quickly, unless it's a top top climber. I've, I'm thinking Roman Bardet. Uh, tomorrow Benji I'm thinking J Vine he looked better today just yeah he was active at the front so that's good news it is a wasp a kilo test so I'm going for hoping break and I think uh, do you think Roglic what do you think about GC Benji Jumbo Visma I I think Jumbo Visma might try and help Kuz go for
1: fifth I think after today the they might be a bit more uh, defensive knowing that they really? spend so much energy with Roglic on the stage Sure, they might try and do something with Kaz, but what are you going to do? Perhaps put him in the breakaway? Yeah, that's possible. Um, but, like, focus on him for the final climb? No, because obviously uh, he'll just try and follow there and make sure he doesn't explode on an attack of Adam Yates on the final climb. But this is actually a very brutal finish. I'm expecting uh, action on it, and I hope that the breakaway wins just because I want to see Jay Vine being able to uh, at least compete for another stage win. and I uh. I think that it's kind of possible, but there, there's there's a point to it here. You've got the fact that you've got Movistar, who is do they have a stage win yet so far in this race? No, right? Uh,
0: no, well, a, Spanish, a Spanish rider hasn't won a Grand Tour stage this year.
1: Ooh, that's a that's a statistic that hurts. Aramburu <laughs> <on> almost.
0: <laughs> but um, if you're Miguel and Lopez, are you comfortable going into the TT thirty seconds ahead of Haig? protecting third it
1: depends which lopez you are that day because you're miguel I don't and know her thing, lopez which one that one <laughs> <laughs> we don't know which one it is right now like he has great TTs, he has horrible TTS. i think that i wouldn't be comfortable i would not be comfortable either but is haig comfortable with the 30 seconds uh Deficit on on Lopez
0: to catch Lopez. Yeah, but Miguel Angel Lopez is Miguel Angel Lopez, which I've now said four times. Hay is, I don't <laughs> think, top ten in a grand tour before. So he's playing with house money. He's just trying to hang on on the climbs. I think Lopez is going to use tomorrow to try and gain another twist. I think what, what we saw today, he's trying to gain time on Haig and I think he's going to try and do it tomorrow on Gamma Terry. It's his best chance because stage 20 is that sort of under Lucia style stage that Fulsang, Shackman, Haig are quite good at, bigger guys. Tomorrow, I think Lopez tries to put 20 to 30 into Haig to shore up that TT um, because 30 seconds on that 33K TT for Lopez after his plunge to Belfia aberration. He won't be. I don't think he'll be sleeping comfortably with that. I think Mass defends. I think Roglic is happy after today. And I hope Bernal gets win.
1: Would it be pretty sad if, if Roglic is not happy after today. He's basically uh, <laughs> sitting relatively secure in the leader jersey unless something happens to him or he completely collapses tomorrow in Gammoni which is always possible, but a bit unlikely based on what we saw today, to be honest. But uh, I can't wait to see Gamonite and I think you can need her. I just hope that I hope that we see Mater in the bloody break like we've called the entire bloody race so far, but, but it hasn't happened.
0: Yeah, but how can he go on the break if he's got to pace Hague? Well, <laughs> but also like will they let him in the break? If you, were, if you were Jumbo Visma, would you let Mater in the break this close to the finish of the Vuelta with the way he's climbing? I would, if he's got Tratnik in there with him, no way. Yeah, that's true.
1: The thing about it is, would you rather have Caruso pacing or Mater on the final climb?
0: Uh, it depends on the gradient. On this one tomorrow, probably Mater. But Caruso is very strong as well, uh, either or, to be honest. But I think Movistar would pace back Mater as well. I just don't think it's realistic that he goes in the break. Movistar won't allow it. Yeah. I think we
1: need to uh, finish off with just our new statement that we need to uh, have at least one Bahrain rider going for the stage tomorrow, and it doesn't need to be made, or it needs to be Arashiro. Hashtag free Arashiro.
0: Legit free Arashiro. I mean, Jesus, maybe you can help Landa. Maybe Landa needs to... uh... They can go back to class. Like there's a little circuit in Andorra on the road near me. They have like a driving school. It's like a safe area off the road. We're gonna have Arashira. He's gonna teach Mikel Landa how to take on six bottles at a time and then move up the peloton safely because that's about his level right now. Um, that's maybe what he can do to help out the team instead of meme attacks and getting dropped. But anyway, that's enough from the Vuelta Espana. An iconic. Well, I think it's an iconic stage. I'll remember it for a long time. Yeah. The Rollish yeah. Long Long Ranger uh, and full credit to Bonal as well. Hopefully we see more action tomorrow. We're going to move on quickly just to do a recap of the Benelux Tour, uh, which we've been remiss in <laughs> in following. Although again, it's not the best placement in the in the calendar. Yesterday was the second stage in ITT. Apparently, Avonapol was not feeling crash hot. Well, um, he said it
1: after he did a bad result. So,
0: yeah. That's an easy one. To do. I said. I said. Apparently, allegedly, <laughs> <laughs> eleven ktt. We said the dangers were. We actually did say, it basically, didn't we? Yeah. Um, he was, so it was
1: one of my favorites for this one. Because yeah. yeah. He's he's been great at these uh, throughout the year, together with Kung, and uh, they did look to be uh, performing very well. But it was not either of them that set up the greatest time at the start because the best, like proper time that happened was Eduardo Afini for Jumbo had a great time trial at the Giro uh, his first one and then eventually had that uh, solid last kilometer attack where Nizola was just about to uh, overtake him on the line as well um, well Afini good result I think going uh, have we set the top 10 here or am, or am I just no I
0: haven't done it yet fuck <laughs> <laughs> the young bull Bissiger wins the TT. Another win for him. He's he's so good now, Bissiger. 1208, average 55 case now. 15 seconds ahead of Afini, 20 seconds ahead of his Swiss compatriots, Steffen Kung, another World Tour TT podium for him. 21 to Asgren, the best of the GC men. Then Walscheid on 22. Quite a nice performance. Dummler, 23, Kraanderson 24, Kampenaz, 26 seconds, then Laporte, Actually, quite a nice TT on twenty nine. Then McNulty in thirty one. Even loses thirty nine seconds coming in at eighteenth behind Runa Heragotz. Didn't you call him out, Benji? Is your boy the Balaza guy? <laughs> yeah, I
1: expected him to do a, a good result. He's better than Remco. Yeah, that's certainly true. But also Fred Wright fifteen, mate. Like I didn't see that coming.
0: It's pretty good. Anyway, that set up GC. Uh, there was obviously the crosswinds the day before. Bissiger went into the leaders' jersey, 19 ahead of Asgren, and Morich was still in the top 10 about 36 seconds. But Avonapol, GC looking done. Stage three, uh, did Avonapol BNF, Benji? No, he still finished the stage, even though yep. he's feeling sick. A bit weird. If you're feeling sick, why wouldn't you go home and recover? <laughs> well, no, it is weird. Why wouldn't you? But anyway... <laughs> I think he's he going to DNF and go and do a tour of Britain. Anyway, he staged today with another flat stage, but we had a breakaway with fan-favorite Taco van der Horn in the break, as well as strong rulers like Luke Durbridge, who doesn't get the results that sort of belie how strong he actually is, Timo Willems, Batistella for Astana, maybe one of their better uh flandrians and matthias guard, the big young unit danish guy for mother star and they were being chased in this break by who it was mainly bahrain again benji for a combination yeah, of bauhaus well and well.
1: norwich who else yeah. uh jumbo was pacing quite a bit okay. as well and uh quick step had a few riders up there doing work as well so uh they do feel quite confident in the likes of a uh, Hotcher. caleb ewan was uh Standing by the side of the road with like 12k to go. Well, did he have a puncture or like what happened? Because uh, I missed a lot of this race. I'm not going to lie about this. I know that there's a Dutchman that unfortunately crashed again. Wilco Kelderman. And that you was standing 12k by the side of the road. And that eventually we had a very close battle between the peloton and the breakaway. Um, but that crash of Wilco Kelderman looked like he was just falling over by the side of the road. With a bit of a, a bump on the right side of his body. And oh, if he fell a meter later... He would have fallen into grass, but he fell a meter earlier and landed with his hip on a barrier by the side of the road. So uh, yeah, he DNF'd it seems. I don't know what the injury is yet though, so we'll have to take a look at their socials, I
0: think. Yeah, hopefully he's okay. Kelderman's uh, crashed a lot this year and in his career indeed. But we had the break having a pretty solid gap and, you know, big engines, apparently the captain of the break, Tucker van der who obviously won that Giro d'Italia stage this year, holding off a chasing peloton for what was supposed to be a sprint stage. And they go into the final kilometer with like 20 seconds. They even start finessing. They look behind with 400 meters to go. They're only about 100 meters ahead of the chasing peloton. Norsgaard's been pulling some strong turns. Timo Vellums has been, I think, sitting on a little bit. None of these guys, I would say, are the best sprinters in the world. And Taco Vanderhorn goes to the barriers on the left hand side, opens up his sprint. He's like Degenkolb yo-yo, sprint style. Like his head is bobbing up and down. It's crazy. You've got to see this finish. It's crazy. Never seen someone sprint like this. And he holds off Norsgaard actually, who does a good sprint. And Timo Vellums, he seems to get himself boxed in. I thought he was quite fast, Benji. People were tipping him. He's 25 years old. Um, I thought, I thought he was quite quick. And yeah, he didn't really even get to open up his sprint. So Vanderhoorn wins ahead of Norsgaard, Durz, Durbridge, Batterstella Wellems. Sagan wins the bunch sprint behind for fifth ahead of Bauhaus. Wait, Poppel, Sagan won a
1: bunch sprint?
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's for it's the Christoph Matthews win, you know. It's not it's, yeah. it's, it's behind.
1: But still, he was ahead of somebody in a sprint. Usually is yes. the second rider.
0: Sagan is not washed. He stays in the
1: draft. I agree, I, but... <laughs> Winning is very difficult for him because he always lands in the wheel of the winner.
0: Ewan only tries when there's bonus money on the line. That's just how it is. If you watch him at Andalusia when DeMar beat him and then at the Giro a couple of weeks later, it's not the same intensity. But the revised GC now is still Bisiger ahead of Asgren and Kung at 19 and 20. Durbridge moves up actually into fourth on 22 seconds because he obviously did a good TT. Otherwise, there's no real wholesale changes. Tomorrow's stage four from Alta to Ardoy. Hope we might do the recap. So that- we might not. Sorry, Benji. Yeah, tell me, tell me about this parkour. Is this in Belgium yet?
1: This is in Belgium. This is my region. <laughs> this passes five kilometers from my home. Um, passes through Thorhout, somewhere in the middle of the stage, so it won't be on television yet. Um, but yeah, there's nothing interesting in this area. You're going to see a, a flat road going to the finish line. Unless there's wind, it's always possible that we've got wind here. But uh, I don't know. I haven't been outside in a day and a half, so I can't tell you if there's wind outside. <laughs>
0: Hopefully there is, although it's been a bit um, been a bit chaotic so far in this Benelog store. It's a shame it's been overshadowed a little bit by the, the Vuelta of of Spain and you know, just always yeah. Last year was a weird time in the calendar as well. But that's our big mega recap today of the World Tour Racing for the last couple of days we hope you enjoyed it if you want to support the podcast feel free to submit roasts as long as they have five stars on podcast players or like the video down below if you watch on youtube and get us to that twenty thousand subscriber goal for benji and ivan until stage 18's recap tomorrow ciao